1: Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with uh, we have sort of a new wingman here temporarily, a couple uh, of shows. Of
0: Lourdes, yes. Usually that, I'm with you in Lourdes. Deacon. That's right.
1: So I have I have Robert Hutton with me. Robert, uh, welcome. I'm so glad you're uh, you're here in the luxurious corner booth uh, taking Tom Dorian's place just for a little bit. A little vacation, that's right. Exactly. We, actually, we need a vacation from Tom, Tom sometimes. and No, I'm just kidding. I love Tom. So... Uh, Uh, Anyway, he's not here. He can't defend himself, but that's okay. That's a whole other story, a whole other show. But we have a great guest with us, Robert. Uh, and, uh, you know, I like it when we get scholarly here.
0: Absolutely. We've got some great questions to answer today.
1: Exactly right. We have We're going go to we? go Old Testament, are we? We're going to go Old Testament. New Testament, too. We're going to go All Testaments. Okay. Uh, we have Pete Brown, and Pete is the academic dean at CDU, which is the Catholic Distance University. Is that, that's, is that that's correct? That's correct, Deacon, yes. Now, uh-huh. you, also, you also teach uh, scripture stuff, so we'd call you a scripture I, I, scholar. Yes, I
2: teach Old Testament. Anything to do with scripture, I teach. Old Testament, New Testament, uh, you know, a little bit of intertestamental stuff sometimes, but... But, but yeah, anything to do with the Bible I teach, including biblical languages and uh, biblical theology, uh, biblical history, things like that.
1: Yeah. So we got the right guy here who's going to answer the questions. Because there's a lot of questions, right. I think. Pete, when we when – we, uh, can I call you Pete? Or should it sure, be Dr. Yes. Pete? Or should, you know, your holiness, <laughs> what, whatever you want me to refer to you sure. as. Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm pleased that you'd be here and joining us. Uh, well, thank to bring, you for having me. To bring your scripture knowledge here. Because we have a lot of folks that tune in who have a lot of questions about why – Why the Bible is even relevant today? Now, no one's going to say get rid of the Bible, right? Right. But uh, essentially, so many, especially Catholics, but so many Christians have gotten rid of the Bible because Mm -hmm. they don't delve and and spend much time. They'll maybe hear some readings at mass, or they'll see something come across uh, uh, their Facebook page. Mm -hmm. You know, there'll be a nice little scripture quote that floats by, and that's pretty much the extent of a lot of folks. Um, delving into the Bible, but you have sort of made a sort of a life and a career mm-hmm. and, a, and a whole path. A, a in bit scripture. of a crazy
2: career, perhaps, but yes. <laughs>
1: yeah. But so, so yes. what was what was your drive? And what was your desire that would that would get you so deep into the Bible?
2: That's a really good question. Yeah. I, I, really, a lot of it was was a personal conversion to uh, to, to, to Jesus Christ, and um, I, I realized I needed to, to know Him more and know about Him and His story, history, if you will, His story. Um, and there's, there's really no other place to look for that than, than the word of God. The word of God is really uh, the story of God and his dealing with the human race. And it's the, the story of his plan for, for our salvation.
1: You know, it's amazing. If you want to know something about a, a, a movie that's playing, if you want to know something about a baseball team or whatever, we go online, we Google, right? And we get the story. Correct. Right. Well, so I guess the first Google is is the Bible. That's right. right. I mean, that's you, right. And you wanted to know Jesus, so that's where you went.
2: There's no shortage of information about the Bible online, and I'll tell you, we're living in a modern age. We can put you know men on the moon, we can put a rover on Mars, but but there's no diminished interest in the Bible. Some people might want to get rid of it, but I can tell you, just from looking at, at page hits and the activity in the internet, there, there's no shortage of of people interested uh, in it.
1: Well, one of the interesting things is I think a lot of folks that I've talked to will see the relevance and they'll understand why we want to hear the words of Jesus, right? I mean, well, the, the New Testament will will say, hey, well, you know, so tell me about Jesus in this story, because that's usually how we start our sort of evangelistic conversation, right, talking about do you know Jesus and et cetera. But a lot of times we don't say, "Hey, have you read this thing in Leviticus? Yeah, this is yeah. so cool. Exactly. You've got to read this. This is going to light yeah. light your world. <laughs> that's right. That's Try right. to read it. It's <laughs> very, oh, You can it, read the it, New I'll,
0: Testament, I'll, but the Old Testament gets very I'll, difficult. I'll tell you what.
2: Uh, when I first started out, I tried to do one of those read the Bible in a year plans. And, yeah. and then you you know March rolls around and, and you know it's that that kind of yucky spring rainy feel. It's it's kind of yucky yeah. outside. And now you're into Leviticus, and then you get bogged down and stuff. And yeah, lot, it's fun in Genesis. Yeah, 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 Genesis yeah, exactly, is great. Exactly. You get the story.
1: You remember them all from your yeah. childhood. Good, you know and yeah, then you're reading yeah. this like this is really yeah, neat yeah. and then you start getting into all the the heavy stuff and, exactly and so you listeners who are out there now suddenly saying oh great he's talking about i've failed miserably at the <laughs> at the bible in a year or whatever yeah, trust yeah. me i've done it too where yeah. you start you're ambitious you're thinking this new year's resolution right, whatever right, right. <laughs> and you just don't make it and i guess that speaks a lot to the, the idea that I think a lot of folks are, are thinking, is there really any rev, uh, rev, uh, relevance to, in to the Old Testament? The Old Testament you well, know. Y-
2: you go back to Jesus's words, right? You look at, at Matthew five seventeen, and he says, what? Think not that I've come to abolish the law and the prophets, but I've come to fulfill. Yeah. And if you don't understand... The Law and the prophets you 're not going to understand what it is Jesus came to fulfill, so there 's only so far you can get with the man 's words before you have to really wrestle with with the the, the, the tradition that he 's working with the, um, the, the the gestalt that he 's part of the world that he 's part of you know his preaching message. About the kingdom makes no sense, really, without the Old Testament. All of the things that he's preaching to us are things that the prophets had promised and things that the law was pointing to.
1: And I suppose if you eliminated that understanding of the law, the tradition, uh, the, the history... Uh, especially of judaism if you if you just eliminate that from the conversation, really you can start to sort of mold Jesus into whoever you want him to be can 't you oh
2: exactly yeah exactly i mean th- this is this has been a temptation from almost the beginning of the church a marcion was was really in the Really, uh, part of the church. And, now, who's that? That's uh, Mar- 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 Marcion was was a well. We would call him a heretic. Uh, he he is someone well, that's who so politically incorrect. Yes, well, we, we don't say okay, that. We we, we could say <laughs> he, he was a, a a dissident. We could we could say it more, yes. more politely. But but his his view was was that really all we needed. Well, there are essentially two gods. The god of the Old Testament was the god of matter, and he was basically uh, evil and ineffectual. And but the god of the New Testament was sort of the god of of spirit and light, and he. Was the one who came to liberate us from from you know this this old mm. yucky material world, and to support this, of course, you know he had to edit almost the whole Old Testament and and the New Testament really to support his theories, and you know at that at that time I think the church always knew this, but the church really came to realize that that without um, the Old Testament there you know. The, the, the message of the New Testament really, really falls. There's, there's, no, there's no message in the New Testament that really makes sense. And as you say, it can be what, it can be, essentially whatever you want it to be. And, and there's always been this temptation throughout history to, to try to recreate Jesus in our own image or make him a projection of our right. own highest ideals. But working with the material that's given in the New Testament and the Old Testament is one of the things that really sort of keeps us grounded.
1: Yeah, it. Although it's tempting, I don't want to design a god that looks like me. Right, right. <laughs> as much as you might think that sure, it's a good thing sure. for there to be a deacon Jeff sure. God, but, I but, don't. But there is a there is
2: a tendency though to to, yeah. to to assume that that Jesus just would agree with you on all right. all, all the the relevant issues of the day and, and how you behave and how you live and and that sort of thing, right? So that there is a that there there is a natural temptation to. Um, to, to assume that, that whatever we think is good and whatever we think right. yeah is is something Jesus would agree with and and I think really forcing ourselves to to get in terms of get in the bible and and give primacy and priority to to the word of god and what's actually revealed about Jesus that really keeps us grounded in terms of um, And and keep sort of our own sort of temptations to to deify ourselves and idolize ourselves in in check.
1: Yeah, I remember seeing a a billboard driving along the highway uh, uh, from a group, the the people for the ethical treatment of animals. And I, I, I applaud some of the efforts of yeah. people to care for God's creatures, I certainly do. But this billboard said uh, Jesus was a vegetarian. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah and there's exactly. Like the, there's like a big orange slice yeah. around the back right, of his head. Exactly. And that's that. I guess that's part and parcel to what we're talking about. Yeah. Where
2: you. Jesus was an environmentalist. Jesus right. was a free market capitalist. Jesus was a, yeah. was, was a liberal. Yeah. Jesus was a uh, you know a Keynesian economist. Jesus was a uh, you know uh, uh, pick, pick your fill yeah. in the blank, and he's he's whoever you want him. He's a 19th century German romantic. I mean. Um, every every age, there's a temptation to turn him into a, um, a projection of, of of what we think. Is the, the sort of apogee of yeah. human
0: human existence? Pete, would you say that one thing that I've always struggled with is is there a different God presented in the Old Testament than the New Testament? Is I mean, right. You know, a lot of people say, "Well, the, the New Testament, Jesus is all kind and love and forgive your neighbor, and in the Old Testament, it's all the God of judgment and the God of wrath." Right? Do right. you see a dichotomy in the personality? Of yeah, God? you know,
2: I mean, I, or, I, I hear that a lot. Um, that 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 you know, the God of the Old Testament is a God of judgment, wrath. You know, the, the deep voice, that the thunderbolts from heaven. And the earthquakes, and the God of the New Testament is the God of mercy and love and forgiveness. Well, the truth is, is that there's a lot of times in the New Testament where wrath is threatened and wrath is promised, and there's a lot of times in the Old Testament where mercy is shown. There's many instances in the, in the Old Testament where God had a chance... And, and seemingly was within his right to even destroy his own people for, for their abject rebellion and rejection of him, but didn't do it. Well, it was like because Abraham of, arguing over yeah, Sodom. Exactly, yeah. or, or, or after the golden calf. Of, you know, God was going to destroy uh, the, the people, and he he relented. He, he repented of his anger, it says. He doesn't always do this, but but he can do this. So There's plenty of times where mercy is shown in, in, in the Old Testament. And, and there's in plenty the New of Testament. times where, where judgment is, is promised. Right, yeah.
1: the, the Jesus cleansing the temple, right? It, when he went in there and he found a bunch of people playing exactly, tambourines and exactly. guitars, and he said, get out of here. <laughs>
2: he's, he's, <laughs> he's in some way, in my opinion, acting out God's judgment in the temple because right. that, that event takes place right in the context of him promising the destruction of the temple. So hmm. in some way he's like saying, well... Okay, you guys aren't going to listen to what I'm saying, so maybe I'll show you a little bit of a, a sneak preview of what this is going to look like.
0: Even the book of Revelation, it's not God the sugar daddy, it's the God of judgment. Exactly. I mean, when John the Apostle sees uh Jesus, he falls down in fear. That's the I mean so there's, exactly. there's, there's exactly. also a sense of judgment in the yeah. New Testament.
2: And and all, let's face it, all, all of the sayings of hell, uh, practically all the sayings of hell in the New Testament come from the lips of Jesus. I mean they, they, they don't come that much from the lips of Paul. <laughs> right. Uh, Paul talks about death, he doesn't really get into the the idea of uh, hellfire that much and things like that, and so. he's the
1: guy with the sword. You'd expect him yeah, to say exactly. all this stuff and start waving that thing <laughs> that's around. Right,
2: that's right. That's right. That's so, amazing. So yeah.
1: now, but what about uh, uh, you know? Okay, so same God, mm-hmm. right? And. But what about the relevance of some of these books, like Leviticus, and, Obadiah, yeah. Obadiah? Some yeah. of these books is like, listen, well, I love saying Baruch,
2: Baruch, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know.
1: And some of these books it's like we we don't often crack them open, right? We've heard right. of the names, you know. I've right. got nine kids; I named them Obadiah. And, <laughs> yeah. you know. did you really? No, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you would be impressed with yeah. that. Yeah. No, I did. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Yeah. Uh, so those those books though are. I mean, they're in the Bible, mm-hmm. and they're meant to be in the Bible. The church put them in the yes, Bible, yes, exactly. You know, and exactly. I'm sure there were certain and and,
2: and, and what what good are they? To-, to be honest with you, the way I answer that question is not by giving you some some sweeping. Um, catchy one-liner to explain exactly why Leviticus is relevant because, let's face it, there's a lot of things that, that do, don't fit in real neatly into what we're doing well, today. Well, you obviously
1: don't know how we do this show. Right. Really, yeah. you get, yeah. <laughs> because here's the deal. Oh, you,
2: you guys promise uh, easy answers yeah. for Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah.
1: That's the whole, that's why people tune yeah. Yeah. Okay. in. That's, right? okay. So we have to lie, otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, right. no, right. no right. I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to interrupt you because right. it sounds like okay. this is going to be a little more of involved with answering. I want to hear the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I can take a break real quick. Okay, sure. Before I do that, I want to remind folks at home, we've got a great website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email to Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so go get your Bibles because we're going to start talking about your Bibles. So after this break, we're going to come back and talk about more about the Bible with Pete Brown right after this.
3: I'm Bess Droszemski, and this is another great moment in church history. Imagine that you were the leader of a small theater troupe in early Rome, and imagine that the emperor was coming to your theater to see your play. Well, that's exactly what tradition tells us about Genesius, an actor who lived and worked in Rome in the late third century. Genesius wanted more than anything to impress his emperor, the famous Diocletian, who was well known for his intense hatred and relentless persecution of the early Christians. Genesius decided to produce and act in a play that mocked the followers of Christ, for he knew that this would find great favor with his emperor, and perhaps help him to advance himself in the Roman art society. But, as is sometimes the case, all did not go as planned. His big performance before the emperor was to be his last. In the play, which was meant as a parody of the Christian faith, Genesius portrayed a catechumen no longer seeking baptism, but as the play progressed toward the final climatic scene, one legend tells us that Genesius suddenly had a vision of heaven and of angels. Struck with fear and perhaps a realization of the sinful path he had chosen for his life, he fell to the stage floor as if he were sick. Two actors portraying a priest and an exorcist came to him to offer assistance unsure if he was truly ill or just improvising a new scene. They asked him what he desired, and he told them, I want to be baptized. They now knew he was no longer acting, and the play would not end as written. They tried to get him off the stage, but he refused. Overcome by the Holy Spirit, he again demanded to be baptized. Needless to say, Emperor Diocletian was not enjoying himself. He soon became infuriated. He immediately had Genesius arrested and hauled before the prefect of the Praetorium. The prefect tortured Genesius in an attempt to get him to recant his Christian profession of faith. Genesius refused to recant. He was now and would be forever a follower of Jesus. Emperor Diocletian had Genesius beheaded. Although he did not receive a baptism of water as he had requested he did receive a baptism of the blood that he shed in union with his Savior, Jesus Christ. He lived as an actor, but he died a Christian martyr. St. Genesius is the patron saint of actors, comedians, clowns, musicians, dancers, and lawyers. His feast day is celebrated August 25th. I'm Bess Trzemski, and this has been another great moment in church history.
1: Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Robert Hutton. I'm Deacon Jeff, and we're talking to Pete Brown, who's the academic dean at Catholic Distance University, and... So, Pete, you were just getting ready to tell us yeah. in a real short, pithy, very, <laughs> just, you know, it was probably going to rhyme. It sounded like Dr. Seuss. It, it, exactly me.
2: why the, the detailed animal <laughs> sacrificial laws have, have yeah, yeah, exactly perfect relevance to It sounds like world. a Dr. Yeah. Seuss book yeah, right yeah, there, yeah, doesn't exactly, it? Exactly. Exactly. So, so
1: go ahead and, and all kidding aside, just give us the idea I, I, what you're here, talking here's
2: about. Here's my, my, my pithy sort of, sort of quick one-liner on this. A lot of the difficulty in assimilating the Old Testament today, and there are portions of it, let's face it, that, are tougher to preach on, are tougher for us to read, are tougher for us to meditate on, that they don't really as readily lend themselves to to our religious imagination or our current day beliefs or practices today. I would say that this probably more than anything to me speaks to the authenticity of Revelation. Uh, this is proof that we would not have—we we didn't make up the Bible. It was given to us. Right. It's, it's, it's received. It's, it's given from from above, ultimately— because if we were going to do it, what would we do? We, oh yeah. We, we, we would. First of all, we wouldn't write it as a story. We're Westerners. We tend to think more in terms of doctrine and ideas, and so we we'd make it more like an encyclopedia or, a, you know, maybe more like the Catechism in some way, where you can right. look up, a, you know, the answer to any question and 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 find a really easy answer in one little verse that you can cite. Um, the Bible's not like that. The Bible's a story, and 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 it's a story that really takes a lot of of effort. To, to penetrate, uh, it's, it's the authenticity of revelation to me. It's the fact that if we had done this ourselves, yeah, we, we would have long since probably discarded Leviticus and, and, and forgot this as sort of an you know an ancient series of instructions for cultic regulations that don't have a whole lot of relevance for our time when we don't do animal sacrifices like this anymore. That said, there is a way you can make sense of Leviticus, but really, I think the way you have to do it is within the broader story. Of of the Old Testament, um, one of the things about Leviticus, and I would say Deuteronomy also falls into this yeah. this category too. Deuteronomy is actually probably the most important book in the Old Testament. And why do I say that? Not because each and every one of the regulations themselves has an you know an easy way to apply today, but because Deuteronomy really is the book that tells us precisely why the old plan could not have been permanent. Deuteronomy ultimately imposes on Israel a series of laws that Deuteronomy itself, we find out at the end, knows Israel's not going to keep. And the so-called Deuteronomic history, beginning with Joshua all the way through Second Kings, if you read that in that light, is basically the story of how Israel fell short ultimately yeah. Deuteronomy, and ultimately exactly the thing that Deuteronomy predicted. The exile, the the loss of the temple, the loss of the land the judgment of God is precisely what ended up happening, and this is exactly what the, these historical historical books so are telling it, us. And it
1: makes and it makes sense when you say it that way. And and that was a, that was a great answer. We only lost half our audience, so okay. we, got, we still got half of them here, which is good. And they're the ones that really matter, yeah. right? The other ones they just yeah. didn't have the patience, yeah, yeah, couldn't yeah. deal with it. But uh, no, and I understand that. And you know, and you, and when you look at even like Leviticus, and you think, well, why do I care about how the goat has to be prepared yeah, or whatever? Exactly. The reality is, at the heart of it, you you can start to see. How God works mm-hmm. and how God expects us to worship, right? And He cares right. how we worship. So it would that's may w-
2: that's, a, that's a whole other level, right. level. You could take that, right? You could say, well, if God is so detailed and precise and into the minutia and, and liturgical rigmarole, um, you know, maybe. We're sort of crazy for thinking today that we don't need these things without some something a little bit more to go on than just that they're not mentioned explicitly in the New Testament, right? Because, right? Yeah, I mean, we we do have a lot of detailed beliefs and practices about liturgy, and some of which you can be teased out from the New Testament. But we're let's face it, we're a little bit more detailed in the Catholic Church than right. than, than Jesus was, at least of what we actually see in the, in the in in the scriptures. But when you look at the Old Testament and you see um, that that this is a God who who you know. Has always had liturgical worship. He never. Uh, it's not that he doesn't like spontaneous prayer or, you know, acts of, of love or devotion. But but there's always been sort of a formal, um, um a path that he's designed, d- d- designed for worship. Exactly. And able, going exactly. back to our, uh, v- sure, very early on. Sure. And then there, yes, and there's an example of sacrifice there as well. So so in other words, the, the book of Le- Leviticus in some ways speaks. Um, I, I think I think toward that. What kind of a God is it that we're dealing with?
1: Yeah. Well, and then also we have all of the prophets, right? In in uh the, the the prophetic literature is also beautiful, and that's good to know as well. And that's a little easier to read. Uh yeah,
2: and and, and the, the prophets themselves, really the prophets themselves in some ways uh, are are the necessary bridge from the Old Testament right. to the New because the prophets are the ones, especially the 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 later prophets who writ, wrote at the time of the exile or afterwards they 're really the ones who provide the template for what God is going to do yeah. in the future to clean things up and to restore things and if you don't understand that you're 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 not going to really understand what it is Jesus is coming to do how how Jesus himself would see his mission, how he would see um, what the father has sent him to do. Um, all of this makes sense, really. In some ways, only in light of, of, of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and uh, and you know Zechariah, and really all the rest. It's it's that message that really is the um, the, the the template. That, right, that, that
1: and combined all of the Old Testament, really fully informs the New Testament so that when you read the New Testament now you understand the context, exactly. the tradition, the history, the and really the maybe even the back meaning exactly. that may not be something that's so obvious. Exactly,
2: exactly. So so when Saint Paul says in in Second Corinthians about Jesus, all the promises of God are yes in him, what does that mean? All the promises of God? He's assuming that you know what these promises are. All right. Yeah, and if if you uh, want to learn the promises go take a course with me and I'll teach them to there you we'll, you go. we'll, we'll, well, we'll let's take talk about Isaiah that. and the prophets right.
1: yeah and, um, How does somebody and, and do I that? will teach you Pete I mean you're, you're at uh, Catholic uh, yeah. distance university so CBU?
0: we have students from all over the world is it mainly to teach the Catholic faith or to teach religious degrees
2: it ranges from, from theology uh, at, at the master's level to, to theological catechesis.
1: And that's why we got smart
2: people like you yeah, around to exactly. help, help inform us
1: uh, in, in that way. So if someone is interested in finding out more about CDU, where do they go and how do they do
2: that? www.cdu.edu, and we'll be happy to uh, to answer any question via the internet. You can apply right online if you'd like to just take a course and see if the program is right for you. Um, we do have a, a course called Light of Faith, which is which is outstanding course. Um, which is which is designed for people that think they might want to do a master's degree but aren't sure if, if, if they really can or they, it really is right for them. Um, if you're looking for a bachelor's degree, we also offer a BA completion program as well.
0: So you could get a complete... Degree online? Yes, that's correct.
1: That's correct. Wearing your pajamas. There I might you go, add, exactly. Which is pretty exciting. <laughs> <laughs> we have a few minutes left. Sure. And, and one of the things that you are informed in this area is, is biblical languages. Mm-hmm. You know, and every time you hear the word Greek, that's Greek to me. Yeah, Greek to, yeah, me. Yeah, that's Greek to know, me, yes. Right, we exactly. hear that phrase. And I think a lot of Catholics don't always understand why it's important mm-hmm. that. that either word etymologies, their the history, the, the meanings behind words right. and how they're used in scripture really can make a difference. Yeah,
2: yeah for, for sure. I mean, there's, geez, there's a whole bunch of, of pet examples I could give you, but by, I guess I'd start out by saying Catholics are not lacking the, the extra gene. And I'll tell you, uh, Protestants who are serious about the Bible, you know, and uh, usually have a little bit of, above academic ability, usually will try to make some stab at learning the languages. And I really think it's kind of time that, that Catholics sort of took some some inspiration from that, and and when I tell my Greek students um, that, I think I think they kind of see it. But um, it it really is is something we're, we we need to do a better job at in the Catholic Church. But in terms of, of how Greek is useful, well, I mean, th- there's lots of, of of different translations. You you go and you realize that that these translations all don't exactly say the same thing. I mean, you've got the New American Bible, you've got the Revised Standard, you've got older translations like the King James, the Douay Reims. You realize that there's some differences here, and, and so the, you know there, there's differences in translational philosophy, there's differences in, in what the actual scholars who did the translation think that that the Greek is saying. And so really... You know, when you're reading a translation, you're really reading an interpretation. There's no way you can right. you can translate something without making an interpretation as to what it's saying. Now, in some cases, it, it's pretty clear. I mean, there's not a whole lot of, of debate either way, but... But seeing something in... The reality in, in, is when you, when you read a translation, you've got to trust your translator.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and so, but sometimes when you, when you can help with the translation yourself, in other words, when you will see a right. Greek word and go, well, sometimes this word is used like this, and sometimes right. it's used like this, right. and sometimes you... And so that might open up exactly. a the, new the, avenue. There's an
2: ambiguity, or there's sometimes a richer meaning. So the, the problem with the translation is, is that translations tend to add meanings that aren't there in the original, and they tend to subtract meanings that are there in the original. So they both add and subtract from the original. I'll give you an example. Uh, in in John 21, where, where uh, Jesus tells Peter, tend my sheep, yeah. feed my sheep, tend my sheep, that word for tend is poimano. That word in the book of Revelations, it can mean tend like in the sense of, of a shepherd and a flock, but it also can mean to rule or to govern and to manage. Oh. And, and and so that's actually a surprisingly underrated verse for papal uh, yes authority. For, for 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 something you know hinting at what we consider to be papal authority afterwards right and a lot of catholics don't know that that I mean they they know Matthew 16 16 you know upon this rock I'll build my church which is great but there's 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 a lot of little things like that in the new testament that you can find that that you know not only strengthens your faith but but you know, provides perhaps a deeper rationale for for what you already knew the truth was.
1: Well, so Pete, you're telling everybody to go out and buy that Greek dictionary. There you go, exactly. And just start del- delving. <laughs> that's in. right. That's right. Well, listen. Th- thank you so much oh, for giving us this. thank you very much uh, for having me again. Fantastic um, yes. uh, knowledge here. Uh, it, we've been talking about, and we're all excited now. We're going to go read the rest of our Bible. Now that we, just, we, we had dropped off that plan. We're getting back on that plan <laughs> okay. to start reading. Thank you so much, Pete, for Thanks being for here. Thanks for having me. Uh, and uh, we're going to close in prayer. We're going to. You know what? We haven't done in a long time. Let's just pray the Our Father. Okay. Beautiful thing. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.